Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dark down for a while Hi, I'm Jackie Cation. You are about to listen to the dark forest Let's give you the info about it First of all, you know the websites dorkforest.com, thedorkforest.com, if you like a determiner, jackiecation.com, has everything. All my podcasts, including uh, videos of my stand-up, my stand-up schedule, merchandise you can purchase if you would like, and a lot more info than you possibly even need. Let's do the credits. Mike Rickberg sang and produced and composed that song at the beginning of the show. He sang with his wife, Sarah. It's very beautiful. At the end of the program, he sings his version of the Mexican hat dance. That's Mike Rickberg. Vilmos fixes JackieCation.com. He is uh, the web designer over there. And Patrick Brady fixes the audio. And in this case, there's a video intro. Very exciting. Anyway, those are the websites. If you want to support the show, you're doing it already by listening to it or watching it. And Another way is to tell your friends and family, go on iTunes, do a review. Another way is to just give me money. Yeah. You could go use the donate button. You can make it even monthly if you're okay with making things monthly. You do a PayPal monthly. There's a monthly choice on PayPal. The PayPal is a button on the Jackie Cation or the Dork Forest website, and it goes directly to me. Thank you very much. I will use it wisely or foolishly. Your call as well. Now. My email address, Jackie at JackieCation.com, is where you can contact me if you have any questions or concerns and about the Dork Forest. And I do have a Venmo account. It's Jackie-Cation, oddly enough. Another way to support the show is on DorkForest.com and JackieCation.com. There's an Amazon link. And the Amazon link just takes you to Amazon. You order like normal, and it supports the show because you came from JackieCation or DorkForest.com. Very exciting. Other than that, oh, there are, there is a band camp. You can, if you have listened to all the episodes that are free and you need more content, there are several live episodes that are at thedorkforest.bandcamp.com. And those cost me a couple of bucks, so I charge a couple of bucks. There's also a storytelling album there that you can listen to some stories that I did live. And there are 17 free episodes before the Dork Forest was pre-recorded. So the audio isn't very good, but the guests were super funny and fun and dorky. So if you want to do that, go to thedorkforest.bandcamp.com. Other than that, let's see if there are other things that I should be talking about. Possibly uh, the merch. Yeah, if you want to buy merch. The only other thing I want to talk about is the merch. You can get Dork Forest t-shirts. Uh, and you can get stand-up comedy t-shirts. You can get my albums or my DVD over at JackieCation.com slash merch. There's pins. There's a challenge coin. There's a bunch of new things happening over there. Anyway, a lot of information. I think, I don't think I've missed anything, but who cares? Let's get into the show. Hey, it's Jackie Cation over here uh, doing a thing where it's called The Dork Forest. You're familiar with the premise, folks. And uh, I'm with Tess Rafferty. Hello, Tess Rafferty. We've been friends for at least 700 years. How you doing, friend? I'm good. How are you, friend? I am plugging along, as we all are. Uh, I have no reason to complain for myself, 
Uh, but I probably do on a regular basis. So uh, Tess no, Rafferty, comic, writer, yeah. uh, TV uh, professional. Uh, that isn't a, I don't know that that's a, that seems sweeping. But it's at Tess Rafferty on Twitter to find out projects and at the Tess Rafferty on Instagram to find out the projects via photos. Um, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Recipes, <laughs> I like to cook so that there's those pictures of what I like. Instagram is mostly like the in denial place, like where we all go, like to just see like, oh, look, food. Um, oh, new shoes. You know, that that's travel. Back yeah. When we did those sort of things. Yeah. Um, where like, you know, you know, Tess Rafferty on Twitter is more of the bad neighborhood. Tess Rafferty. Oh my the girl God. your mother warned you about. I just realized that I'm recording this without my headphones on, so it's going to be both of our audio. I think uh, I think Patrick could handle it. I don't. Uh, I think that uh, I got to. Uh, okay, so let's just keep going. I oh. literally weeded off in the middle of your. No, my Instagram is what Instagram is. It's going to be great. People should go there. It's at the Tess Rafferty. It'll be in the notes. But you mentioned the food thing. Here's. I am fascinated by so many things, but we have to talk about Italy because it's kind of fancier, and it's kind of real, and it's an actual country. And you seem to have a depth of knowledge of Italy that I uh, admit to being jealous about uh, <laughs> italy a country in europe it's shaped like a boot yes or uh, uh uno stavale as they would call it uno stavalo what does yeah. stavalo mean boot it's a boot yeah <laughs> uh, all right or, wait, no it wouldn't be uno le stavale are the plural for boots so it would be una stavala i guess would be one boot there you go. One boot. One boot, you guys, in Italian. The first time I went to Italy, and that's right, I've been twice. Uh, I asked somebody where the post office was, and I mispronounced uh, Le Ficchio Postale because uh, I took French for too long. And the guy looked at me and he said, Ficchio. Ficchio Postale, the post office. It's over there. In perfect English. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, and that's and that's the thing. Like, I, I've... I've studied, I actually really kind of geek out about languages and I have a really good head for vocabulary, not so much the grammar. And, sure. um, and I, I, but, but you do like you, you, your mouth gets really tripped up. Like when you're trying to, like when you, if you try to go between French and Spanish and, and Italian and, and half the time people think I'm making fun of them. I'm like, no, I just, I've just studied four languages and I don't even know how to speak any of them. well. <laughs> right. So I'm throwing words at you in the hopes that you get what I'm talking about. <laughs> just my pronunciation. Um, I felt some, I felt so bad. I was introducing somebody at a, an event and I just was like, I'm like, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm trying to pronounce your name correctly. Um, I have just fucked up my own, my own <laughs> tongue inside my mouth like with like, so trying to pronounce so many different languages poorly that I'm like, it's not you. I really am making every effort to pronounce the same correctly. Right. I want I'm so much difference. to at least yeah, be I'm, respectful and say your name correctly, but it turns out I'm just going to uh, say it wrong and then hope for the best. I got a mouthful of marbles. I hear it here. It does not come out here. I'm so sorry. Right. It is. Uh, but th I mean, that's the whole thing about, about all the things I think is the learning curve on how to just say things right. And, and, you know, and you're just like, I swear to God, if you say it to me three times and we're around each other enough, I should say your name correctly by the third time. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, but the Italian language is very beautiful. I've been watching a fair amount in quarantine here, um, <laughs> like food shows 
where like that did you watch that acid fat salt oh, business? Fat acid heat. There you go. Um I, I you know what it's funny, Did I have it? not. Okay. My husband my husband got really into it. We have her cookbook, like everything is like every time he cooks something, he talks about it has to have salt, fat, acid heat. I mean it's it's an amazing premise. It, like especially if you like, like to cook by the seat of your pants, like I choose to. Right. Well, <laughs> and, and I'll say this about that show on net. It's on Netflix. It's four hours, one for each of the words. And, uh, and it's beautifully shot. So, and one of them it's shot in Italy. And, um, and so she was, uh, she was in Italy. She sp- seems to speak Italian. That I think is her language. Uh, though I think and I haven't seen it in a while, but I like to think she's Armenian, but that's because I was raised to look for <laughs> Armenians. And, um, the, uh, but I don't raised think she, the Armenian and everybody, <laughs> uh, good or bad. That's sometimes good. Uh, that is sometimes not as anyway. So, but the, uh, turns out humans, but, um, but I will say that the, one of the things she mentioned in the Italian one was that, uh, when you get fancy olive oil, she was talking about how some people get fancy olive oil and they save it for for good things. And the Italian woman she was talking to, she said, it'll go bad. What are they saving it for? And uh, I was like, oh, I didn't know olive oil went bad, but it makes sense. I mean, I, I suppose, you know, they say that the same thing with butter, because unless we're in intense heat like we are now, I, d- I tend to leave my butter out at room temperature. Yeah. Um, and they say that, like, oils will go rancid. I, I don't know if I've experienced that, but, but like, like I, I am a house that when we started quarantine um, and I was, like, looking around, like, what do I need to stock up on and, and uh, whatever, I, I, I'm a house that has five olive oils in it. Like, <laughs> right, but not, but not opened. Five opened olive oils? Um, or no, backup. No, no, no. You got backup I've, olive oil. I've got I've got backup like olive oil, but also backup, I've got backup, like backup, backup, I have my cooking backup. olive oil. Okay. And then I've got several bottles of fancier like dipping sauce or finishing olive oil, that kind of stuff. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so let us get into it because yeah. uh, I have been. It's been explained to me more than once. Let us explain it to me possibly two or three more times. Olive oil, virgin olive oil. What does it all mean? What are the differences? Do you remember? You know, the extra virgin olive oil, I I honestly don't know exactly what it means. It's, um, you know, I do know that for example, like, you know, and, and kind of like with wines, there's blends and then there's like single vineyard things. Um, um, so that like what, what happened, like the big olive oil scandal that came out, I love Italy's the place where they have crazy, like political scandals. Um, and then also food scandals. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, what was the olive oil? Of- okay, go ahead. There was a thing about counterfeit olive oil um, that they're saying like this is, you know, Pugliese or whatever, uh, Sicilian olive oil. And it turns out like it's not even from Italy. It's just like crazy blend. of. (laughs) So now like some things are labeled like Mediterranean olive oils. Right. Um, You know, because it's it's one of those things like you. You know, and the same thing with wine, right? You you take your lesser grapes, the stuff that, you know, maybe hasn't been tended as well or, or just didn't have a good year, and that goes into your, your lesser wines or your blends or, or whatever. And then you've got, like, your more refined stuff. Um, like sort of the know. perfect olives. Somehow, somehow there's better olives and less better olives to make olive oil. And there's... Right. Yeah. Okay. 
better olives, better regions, better growing patterns um, in terms of like the stuff that's just kind of mass produced versus, you know, it's, it's all small. Like everything is small batch artisanal, right? Like how well did some, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and you, you know, olives are one of those things that in the olive oil, you, you like, like wine, you can taste the terroir, you can taste. Um, what is terroir, terroir? What is that word? Ground. It's okay. Literally, you know, and, and here, okay, here's a fun side note for foodies. Yeah. Um, so, so in with oysters, oysters <laughs> are a similar thing. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, that's a brand new phone too, that just like spontaneously fell on the floor. Some, some things just fall sometimes. Yes. Something's going on. Um, <laughs> so with oysters, like, you know, oysters taste differently, depend on where they're farmed, you know, East coast, West coast, that sort of thing. Cold waters, warm water. They call that marrow for like, you know, like mare being sea okay. being of the, you know, whatever. So terroirs of the earth, marrow okay. is the water it's grown in, which is kind of cool, but okay. you can taste the different subtleties of was this a hot climate, a mountainous climate? Um, what's in the earth? Is it clay? Is it mineral? Uh, that kind of stuff. I used to know dudes who could tell where the pot was grown. Um, that's right. So it's like that. It's the it's terroir. Like <laughs> the terroir of the pot. Of yeah. your marijuana. All right. Uh, yeah. And, and also how it was grown. Like, was it, a, was it, you know, did it get a lot of water? Did it get a lot of heat? Like you can also taste that on some of these things. So when you get some of these, like, you know, when you like look at like an expensive bottle of small olive oil or something, um, you know, you can smell like some of them are grassier. Some of them have a more peppery finish. Interesting. And, and I don't know as much about olive oil as I do about wine, but I do know that that's like where it came from, how it was grown, you know, that all of those things factor into it. And yeah, if, yeah. You, if you go someplace like Italy, if, you know, back in the day when we went places and moved about freely and oh is that, that wait a minute that's a restaurant italy uh well italy is like i thought you were saying italy in a fancy way but uh, that is a place <laughs> if you go to italy yeah <laughs> <laughs> nope she was talking about an actual uh a destination what is it so it's so funny, like, so, you know, Mario Batali and, and Joseph Bastianic and their whole sort of food consortium a couple of years ago came up with this concept called Italy, like literally E-A-T-A-L-Y. Okay. And it's Disneyland, it's the target for foodies, right? It's okay. Disneyland of, there's restaurants, there's butcher shops, there's, you know. Oh, it's a mall? But it's a, but it's a fancy pants, like e e eatery kind of mall. To get all yeah. the things from stem to stern, like the whole farm to table kind of moment, sort of. It, 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 it's everything. You go in, there's two different espresso bars. There's uh, like a gelateria. There's, you know, places for pizza. There's Ooh. fancy restaurants. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's, and you can get goods there. You can get produce and cheese and imported stuff. You can get like, you know, the the bath products you can only, I bought deodorant there. Like you can only get <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Live it up. It does sound yeah. like a fancy destination. You're just like, let's go to Italy. <laughs> and you're like, and you can browse and then you can have lunch or you can nosh and you can browse and, and then you can buy a bunch of uh, kind of cool, like artisanal, like very specific foodie stuff. Things that you can only get over there and, and you can browse and eat like, and there's samples and, and whatever. And they let people like, they just now sell wine when you walk in and you walk around. It's like a casino, right? right. You walk <laughs> with your booze, shopping. It's, it's, 
And like my Chris and I, you know, my, my husband and I are both Italophiles. We resisted this when it first started. We were like, you know, that sounds like, and now like we go there, we're like, <laughs> right. Cause, cause at first you're just like, it feels like, oh, they're trying too hard. I don't want any part of it. And then you go and you're like, no, no, they're trying just the right amount. I need them to, I, I need this. I need this. I didn't know I needed this. <laughs> I, I ex- that's exactly it. I didn't know that I needed this. Like, that's what it becomes like. And, and you know, and, and it's hard to like leave without feeling like you're in a supermarket suite, right? Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, it, you know, every time you walk in, you got to spend $45, right? I mean, I'm sure it's uh, just on stuff that you bring home. Oh, a little bit higher than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because because again, you're like you're stocking up, right? It's right. Like, you're like, oh well, you know, I need this olive oil, and they they have a they have this like row of bulk olive oils, and you can get a guy and he'll let you taste the different ones and tell you where they're from, and then you can fill up your own bottle, and huh. um, and it's pretty remarkable. And then of course they have that the smaller like stuff that they import in their own bottles, and that's okay, right? But, um, you know, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's like I said, it's, it's, um, you know, it's, you know, uh, it's very I, specific it's very... for foodies, I guess. Exactly. So, <laughs> so, so there's olive oil that you cook with mm-hmm. and that's just sort of, is it, does that have to be like, I, I've heard that it doesn't necessarily, it should be a good olive oil, but it doesn't need to be the greatest olive oil because you're cooking with it. That's exactly it. And, and even within that, there are some like counterfeit, things that happen. Like I, I bought a one in a big can, you know, and I was like, I just want to go for whatever's cheapest. I was at an Italian market and it was clear, which is a really bad sign. Like olive oil should always be a little yellow or greenish in hue. Even okay. Though. It just should have some sort of, it, it should have some color to it. It should have some color to it. And I was, so I was, I mean, when it, when it's clear like that, I was, I don't know, it looked like corn syrup. I basically, I recycled <laughs> it. I took it back to like whoever recycles oil. It was just like, right. Yeah. Then you're a Honda hippie. Um, like <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I'm not cooking with this. <laughs> I like, uh, it's interesting. There was some huge scandal about California olive oil. Wasn't there? Um, or possibly it, I'm sure it was the same thing about stuff not being, you know, because grown where it says it's grown or, or sort of processed as it says it was processed, this type of thing. Absolutely. And, and in Europe, you know, with, with wine and also with food stuff, like you, I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with the restaurant in LA called AOC, um, not now. <laughs> wow. She is busy. Anyway. Uh, what, is, what kind of restaurant is it? It, well, so the, the term AOC previous to 2018 um, stood for, and I'm going to butcher it. It's a French pronunciation, Appalachian origin something control, right? Oh, okay. So what it is, is all the, so like in France, they have. Um, champagne has the, to be from champagne kind of thing, champagne right? Champagne has to be from champagne. And the food, things like the cheeses are AOC. Like they're from the origin they say they are. Ah. In, in um in uh, Italy with the wines you have what's called a DOCG a DOC and then an um an IGT which is just kind of like it, and like what they are is they're 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 
rules that are set up, like if you have something, a Brunello di Montalcino, for example, that's a DOCG wine, and it has to be grown in this area, it has to be grown to these specifications that it's like this percentage of this one grape and only a small percentage of any other grape, and you get your DOCG designation, and then the next one down is DOC, and then it goes on from there. Okay. Um, like in France, like one of their like lower level ones is called a Vin de Pay, which means like wine of the country side okay. of the region, I guess. Um, a little bit of a well drink. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <It's> totally. <laughs> Like, you know, and, and you get like, you know, because my husband and I are snobs and we have nothing else to do with our time. <laughs> oh, that's an, I, it's, an, it's fine for an IGT or what, you know, you <laughs> tell yourself all sorts of snobby things. Like, it's right. fine for a non-canon <laughs> Star Wars TV show. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, right, I'll read know, this fan fiction, but it isn't. It isn't yeah. in canon. I get it. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, so, um, so, yeah, so there's, so in Europe, um, and I think, is it Spain or Portugal? I think it's Portugal has the DO designation. Um, so it, it's all these sort of rules set up so that when they're selling these products, these these agricultural products, people know they can count on a certain quality or something. And right. And you go beyond that. Like there was a there was actually a Brunello de Montalcino scandal also a couple of years ago where people were not you know making it up to the standards and they were somehow getting the designation on it anyway and. Crime, crime, graft, grift, bribery. Um, well, they're billion-dollar industries. I mean, it would make sense that there's probably some sort of bribery going on. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean you know, what? Uh, yeah, exactly. Why, why wouldn't there be? I'm sure there's some idiot who's just like, well, maybe we could get this extra barrel in and I could make $12. And you're like, you live in a perfectly nice home and have a car. What are you doing? Uh, there's no pride anymore. The pride of... So I want to ask this before... Or because I wait, so wait, the AOC place is that also kind of a, a grocery store where you buy things? No, I know, I know it's disappointing. It's just a restaurant, but okay. that's where they got their name from, right? Okay. Like they, got, they got their name from, they named it after this system of, you know. Oh, I see. So, so, so they're claiming that they, they, that they have this rating of, of restaurants kind of thing. They yeah, sort of like, are psyched right. about it. Is it a really good restaurant? It is a very good restaurant. It's been around for a long time. They've moved locations. Like sometimes I go when I like my moods, meals, sometimes not so much. You know, the oh. menu changes over the years, but it's a fine. Like now, I think is if it's still on the place in Third by Cedars that I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. It's got this beautiful courtyard. It's like an older building. Like, oh, that's pretty. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's very pretty. It's um, uh, yeah. What is your favorite Italian food? Do you have favorite Italian foods to eat versus cook? What are the? Um, oh, that's an interesting thing. You know, like, yes. I mean, ultimately, so so there's a couple. This is really, I'm glad that you, I, I love that you're just like, give me all the minutia you can. So yeah, please. <laughs> so there's two things. So I really enjoy, I really enjoy Tuscan food, which sounds very basic, but I've been to like every region in Italy almost. And whenever I go back to Tuscany, I'm like, there's just something about this. You know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of truffles in it. Um, a lot of like, uh, game meats, wild boar, rabbit. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. And I and I tend to like, you know, um, if I'm going to eat meats, I tend to like more gamey braised meats, which they also do very well there. Right. Um, there's, an, there's a region called Emilia Romana, um, which is just north of Tuscany. Okay. It's where, um, That's super the, north Italy, is it not? My geography is no, mixed. It's actually in 
region, not like the, the real north of Italy is up near Austria and Switzerland and along the Alps and stuff. Right. It, it's Bologna. The, this region's like actually south of Milan. Okay. South, uh, southeast of Milan. So, um, so this, this region called Emilia Romana and it's where Bologna is. Okay. Bologna, hence Bologna, um, where Bologna <laughs> sure. kind of comes from. Uh, the Seven years of Bologna sandwiches, Wisconsin. Guess what? Not good Bologna. Anyway, let's just keep going. You know, I still remember you telling me that story about about, about how your stepmother nailed the compulsories. Oh man, you know, holy! Like, <laughs> what would you like for breakfast and lunch? Not think, knowing it would be forever. Forever, yes, it's true. That is a weird. That is a weird story. Anyway, go ahead. So well, so in Bologna, one of the cured meats in the region is the mortadella, which everybody knows because it's the, the thing that looks like bologna and has fat cubes in it. Right. That I used to think was cheese. I would think I was in hope. <laughs> oh, that would be the best. Um, be really good. So, so this Emilia Romana region is like known as having the best food in Italy. It's where like Parmesan comes from, um, like um, extra vecchio balsamic vinegar, the kind that comes in a tiny bottle that they sell for a hundred dollars. Like it's liquid gold. Wow. It's, it's truly like that thing in Harry Potter, the uh, Felice, uh, whatever the, the liquid luck. Oh, like a, <laughs> it's like a bottle this big hundred dollars. Cause it takes them 25 years to make. What's the name um, of this t- place again? What's the name of the, the area? Emilia Romana. Thank you. If okay. we ever travel again, get yourself back there. It's, it's, I, um, yeah. It's where they, this place um, called Zibello has, like there's a cut of prosciutto called um, uh, culatello that is supposedly like the best cut of culatello. I and love prosciutto. Town, oh God. It's, it's, and there's this town called Zibello and there's a place there that supposedly makes like the best culatello in the world. Like this guy makes the, Culatello for like Prince Charles and all the fancy French restaurants, like a lot, um, I want to say a lot us. Like, and you go in their cellar in each one of the Culatellos that's hanging from it, um, has like a sign on it saying who it's going to basically. And it's always someone fancy. Okay. So, um, so so they're like, and you know, there's like, it's got like, you know, I don't know that it's the most Michelin star restaurants per capita in Italy necessarily, but like you, we went to this restaurant when we were there and it's um, it, and like it had a Michelin star and our waiter that day was the chef and owner. <laughs> we were like the only people in there because it was slightly off season. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and he's just coming out. He's waiting on us. He's cooking the food. He's <laughs> the star. Um, so, so, yeah, so they I mean, I have had some amazing meals there um and it all it's also yeah they're good too right what uh how would you like uh, a friend of mine his mom is they are they are french and polish and she loves rabbit and she sent me an amazing recipe for rabbit and i've since misplaced it because every time i go anywhere and look to buy rabbit somewhere nobody's selling rabbit and uh i and where you can get it Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Good. Because I, where, where can I get it? So there's a place in North Hollywood called Epicurus. Okay. It's on Sherman Way in Lancashire, I believe. It's in like, um, you, they, it's like in a, um, a basically, a, what do they call it? It's an industrial park. It's oh. not even a, it like, it's like where there's like warehouses. Like there's a video game place there too. It's like. Oh my God. I know where that video game place. It's by there. 
Yeah, it's by there. And it, it, it's like you you think like you're parking outside a warehouse. And I know they're open right now. And, and it's called Epicurious? Epicurus. Epicurus. Okay. Epicurus. And it's not very big, but they have a lot of specialty candy and different things, cheese and all sorts of things that you can, you know, generally only get somewhere in another country and they bring them here. I go now. I go now. I'd be right back. No. That's awesome. And they have a freezer case and you can get a rabbit. That's awesome. How would, uh, have you prepared rabbit? This, this recipe seemed really good, but it was a, it was a red wine and it was reduced and it was very beautiful because, you know, it can be a little, it, it can be tough. It can, or just a different consistency than chicken, obviously. Um, yeah. cause it is an animal that has hoppity hop hopped in a different way. Um, what do you oh, usually yeah. do or wh- how do you like it prepared? I, so the last time I did it, I, we, we actually cooked it on Easter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That is particularly hilarious. Well played. Yeah, I was, I would really like, sometimes you just do things to amuse yourself. Right. Um, you just, you, you, you got a half, you got 15 minutes and you think to yourself, yeah, this is funny. I want, I, I, and it's only funny for like a minute, but then you'll think back at it and laugh again. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, it's, it's true. It's, it's like, and I kind of put it on Instagram, like that I'd made a rabbit ragu and it was like, let's see who puts these two things together. That's, that's how I'm going to amuse myself in lockdown. <laughs> um, so uh, I just braised it one day, I think probably with white wine and broth and, you know, some vegetables, slow cooked it for a couple of hours. So it all basically broke apart. Oh, that's and awesome. then I used it on pasta as a ragu, um, just like as a meat sauce, no mm-hmm. tomato, just a ragu bianco. Or, um, and I, how do you make then- a ragu bianco? That sounds like just, a you're white. You're not putting tomato in it. Like okay. it's just a white sauce, a white base, basically. Whether it's with wine or right, and you don't do a, a little bit of flour for thickening, do you or no? I mean, you you can do a lot of different things for thickening. Um, you know, one of my favorite, like, really quick go tos if I want to thicken any kind of sauce mm-hmm. is I take um, a couple tablespoons of butter, a couple tablespoons of flour, basically just kind of a roux, and just but do. I Okay. Yeah, but and I just and I just whisk it into the sauce. Like like you know you can if you're making a gravy start with the roux and do it that way. But usually if I'm like oh I'm getting ready to serve dinner and this sauce really didn't thicken like I wanted it to, that's like bam yeah. So bam and and do you have you made do you have a pasta maker? Oh yeah. So so what we did with the rabbit is we served some of it on on pasta mm-hmm. and then we saved it because you know it was like I think a three pound thing and there was just the two of us and yeah. um, we saved it and then the following week we you know we froze it and the following week or whatever we took it out we took what was left we pureed it and we made ravioli with it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, or maybe tortellini. Maybe we did the tortellini with it. And um, so you you can make cuz I have made pasta possibly twice, probably once we had a pasta maker. I was like, uh, let's give this to someone. And, uh, <laughs> it was a beautiful pasta maker. It was, it was a, it was a hand, a hand crank, crank one. And, um, which of course makes it harder, but, but actually you can control, it seemed to be easier than, uh, it's just easier to control, but I don't, making dough is not my favorite thing to do. Uh, so, but you, so you yeah. make, uh, do you make strips and, or do you make, uh, ravioli as well? Yeah. I mean, we, so I have the attachment that goes on the kitchen aid, which okay. is slightly, um, 
I, which is, you know, easier cause it's, it's, um, mechanized, right? Like you're not cranking it at the same time you're feeding it because it is like, like, look, have I, have I melted down in tears making pasta in my life? I'm not going to lie. Like, my marriage almost ended. And we swore we were never doing this again. Like, yes. Right. Because it, it it's frustrating. Cause you're like, I want to do this. This is the thing I, this, I'm going to be this person. You know, I, when we first went into quarantine, I started making yogurt and I was like, it's not working. It does. It's just, I made kefir. I made, I made tan, which is this Armenian drink out of yogurt. And I was like, and I don't, I don't even like yogurt that much. What am I doing? So. Right. Right. There it's in. And I think that, you know, the thing is to keep it manageable. Like we were, we were making fettuccine for, I'm not kidding. Like 10 people. Like it was like that was okay. It was too much. Yeah, and, and we were kind of we were making it from scratch. It's like now we know if we're gonna make pasta, we're like okay, we make like a two or three egg dough. It's like a cup or so of flour. It makes like enough for us for one night, and then we can freeze whatever's left for like another, you know, another serving. Right. Both. But it's not, we're not sitting there. Like we were sitting there. We had, we had fettuccine hanging off of every surface in the kitchen, trying to dry it <laughs> the chairs and, and everything. And it was sticking and, you know, yeah. it was just a never ending. It's like, you can't do that. Too big, so. too big. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. we, we, we planned too big. Yeah. So um, keep it, yeah, so now keep it know, reasonable. I mean, yeah. Okay. Reasonable. Fair and enough. Also, I mean, you know, obviously in, bef- if, you know, before times, like we've also done it with people where we're like, okay, everybody's rolling their own dough. Everybody's like kind of cutting their own stuff so that you yeah. can share it work a little bit. And, you know, you have an activity and you learn. And that's yeah. Nice. My grandmother used to make lots of a thousand of these things called manta or monte. And they are Armenian dumplings that look like wing nuts. And they're about the size, they're about an inch long. So they're to make a thousand of them is it hurts. It hurts your yeah. back. It hurts your shoulders. But she would have like three friends over and they would make as many as possible. And then they'd split them up and she would end up with like 800 or a thousand manta at the end of it. And, um, and we would eat them like popcorn and she would become enraged. And, uh, <laughs> she was like, oh, this took four hours. Uh, stop eating yeah. them. They're going in the soup. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so no, it's true. It's, it, it's like, you know, rolling out the gnocchi or anything, anything's fun when you first start it. And then when you're like on, you know, whatever, like <laughs> it's just too like, much. No. Yeah. And, uh, so, um, I love the idea of, of cooking, cooking a rabbit sort of like a pork roast where you cook it until it just kind of falls apart off the bone. Yeah. And then, and then do you just sort of take it like, you don't debone it. Cause you want, you want to cook it with the bone, right? Yeah, because that'll give you the broth too. And we might, I'm trying to think if we save the bone and try to make a stock out of it afterwards, or if like after you slow cook it, it's kind of toast. Do, have you ever made that Italian, I'm going to say it wrong, Chiappini? Chiappino? Uh, the, the fish stew? Chiappino? Um, uh, no, um, mostly because I can't eat tomatoes. Oh, they're super acidic. If you, if, if, if you're, my sister has uh, trouble with tomatoes. She can, uh, like very rarely she can eat a tomato. Yeah, it's, um, it's, I have an allergy, so I haven't been able to eat tomatoes in quite some time, which is hilarious because 
when you tell people that and they're like, then you go to Italy. I'm like, Italian food is more than just tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're break this to you. <laughs> they, they have tomatoes, but that's not just tomatoes. It's so. not just tomatoes. And, it, and also tomatoes are, it's like, I mean, obviously they make them into paste and can them and things, but like, it's also, they, they eat very seasonally. So mm-hmm. they're not in season the whole year. Oh, I have spent the entire summer eating tomato sandwiches because uh, we have a garden <laughs> and uh, we got tomatoes and that is one of, but I've actually recently been like, yeah, these are a little acidic. I got, I it, like, I feel like I'm going to get gout. And, uh, <laughs> so, but, um, yeah, so, but well, you think, do it. Yeah. right. But the, uh, the, will it? Well, they say game meats are one of the things that give you gout. Oh, interesting. Right? Or, or can exacerbate it or whatever, if you have a propensity. Um, wow. Yeah, look at me yeah. with the big words. Okay. So, <laughs> I know at 11 a.m. when you're not even through your coffee yet. I know. I'm just uh, all right. So, but the, but I don't think that seafood soup has to have tomatoes in it. I think you can go with other other veg. But um, oh, maybe you know, maybe it, it does. But and so many things are like so specific. Like there's, you know, when you think of chicken cacciatore, you generally think of chicken that's cooked with among other things tomatoes, right? Yeah. Um, in Rome and only in Rome, they do a cacciatore, which is just vinegar. Um, it's like, it's vinegar or maybe a little bit of onions oh, that get wow. like ground or caramelized or something as they cook it. And it is like, the, and, and probably white wine, right? If I'm yeah, being yeah. honest, white wine, but it, it's very vinegar based. Yeah. And it is the most amazing, like you get the taste on your lips and it's still there like two days later. You're just like, oh my God, I, I, if, you, if that's in your flavor profile, you're like, right. this was the best. And so it's, it's, and so like, even like, I'm sure with a Chopino, it's like, oh, in this region, they do it with tomatoes, but in this region they don't because they, you know, it's not something they have. I think I had it. Um, this is going to sound fancy. We were in Venice. We had it in Venice and it was the most delicious thing I've ever had in my life. And, um, (laughs) and I, I came home and I recreated it and I did pretty good, pretty good. It was, uh, you know, but it was, um, I don't, I don't know that it had tomatoes in it, if I remember correctly. But, um, but that is, that is interesting. Um, have you ever been to Naples? I've always wanted to go to Naples. You know, I have only been through it. Okay. I've, um, I've gone. It's supposed to be dodgy. That's where I want to go. Cause it's supposed to be a little, a, a, a little skid ball, which will remind me of the road. Um, um, well, no, it's it, right. It's, it, it, that's, you know, that's the, there are people who like love it and adore it and people who that's the knock on it. And, you know, I, I found that Italians, much like Americans tend to look down on whoever lives directly South of them. <laughs> like, you know, in America, it's like, you know, Ooh, you know Alabama, it, but then if you get far enough South, New Orleans is the best. And you're yeah. like, stop. Just, just go to the place and be nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, like the people in Venice think they're better than the people in Tuscany, and the people in Tuscany think they're better than the people in Rome, and the people <laughs> in Rome tell you that the people in Napoli are always working an angle. You know, <laughs> it uh, just goes on down to Sicily, right? Um, and uh, we and have those our, guys hate Algiers. What? What just happened? Yeah. And <laughs> no, I mean it's true. We will always, you know, have our provincialism to like unite us. I guess. Um, <laughs> But they, um, so I have been, I've been like, I've been through Naples, like to the port of Naples because I've gone to Ischia, which is an island off the coast and you get there through a ferry that, you know, from Naples. And I have been south 
to um, like I've trained, I've been to the train station because I've been south to like Amalfi, Positano, that whole area. The Amalfi Coast is supposed to. When I went to Italy, and Andy and I saved up, and that's where we went for our and our, um, our honeymoon. We went to Venice and, and Florence. He had never been to Italy. We spent uh, ten days in each. It was very glamorous and uh, very exciting. Yeah. What and, a great way to do it, too. Yeah, because um, I like to spend a longer time in a place and become a semi-regular at a coffee shop and yeah. pretend that I live there. Uh, so the... Uh, um, but going to do it, though, I think. Yeah, because then you get to kind of see it, and we have we have genuine memories of the whole town for a while, you know? And um, so the... Um, the woman who gave my friend Stefan's mom, who gave me the rat, rat, rabbit recipe, she was like, "She's not going to the Amalfi Coast. Don't go. It's a waste uh, to even go to Italy and not go to the Amalfi Coast." So was it beautiful? Oh, oh she said to me, if you weren't going, I thought she was telling you not to go to Amalfi, but she's saying if you're not going to Amalfi, don't even bother going to Italy at all. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Um, it is beautiful. Sure. It's it, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, the, the thing about Italian, the, 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 you know, the, the country as a whole is that it's a peninsula that's like from volcanic soil. So it's, you get the beauty of the, um, of the, something that's on the sea, but also just all the dramatic, you know, cliffs and, and things built into the side and the mountains and things. So, so it is gorgeous. It, you know, it tends to, towards, um, it tends towards the touristy, obviously, because it is really beautiful, but even within that, like, you just need to like, I, we always think like if you just do some research and find some deep cuts that people aren't doing, like like Ischia, for example, like we did a couple of nights in, you know, we've been to Amalfi a couple of times and always do a couple of nights there and, and a Pompeii thing because Chris loves like ancient. Chris had a reader. Chris studied Latin when he was like a kid and had a me too, me too. Yeah, see, you guys like yeah, you two should talk about it someday. Yeah, yeah. We um, so we you know we did the whole Pompeii thing and. That's cool. And then we went to this island called Ischia, which, you know, especially in the summertime, is still going to be full of tourists, but they're not Americans. Okay. (laughs) So you get, you feel like you're doing something. You don't feel like just with a bunch of people with fanny packs and, you know, complaining they can't. Germans got fanny packs. They got fanny packs. Anyway, so I get you. Yeah. And there is, there's, um, you know, yeah, and Europeans are there, and yeah. uh, and like every time, but it's it's nice enough, like where you're like every time we did hear someone speaking English with an American accent, we were like, how did you find out about this place? Because like no one, yeah, you, know, you just hear it, which is a nice, you know, it's why you go. Well, to- it, it's why you're traveling. It's kind of exciting. So yeah. Are there specific, I always wonder between France and Italy, you know, sort of the big foodie kind of destination, not that not that the food isn't beautiful in other countries, but between those, what are the sort of uh, spices in, in those kind of foods that I think of as more Italian than French, you know, sort of like an oregano or marjoram, but I think like the well, French use those. Well, you know, I think it's so funny. I'm reading this book right now called Dirt. That's about French food and and the food in Lyon specifically, which oh, is like supposedly like the big food. That's country. where we went. That's you last went like, last October. Um, oh, we saved. I, I've been trying to get him to go to Paris forever, and he was like, "I want to go see those cave paintings." in the middle of France. He doesn't talk like that. Anyway, and uh, and so I was like, okay, so we'll fly into Lyon. 
we'll spend like four or five days in Lyon and we went around and we got to see Roman ruins and stuff. And then we went and saw the cave paintings in uh, and this cup, by the way, when you pour something hot into it, it's from the cave and the cave paintings show up. Anyway, oh, wow. this cup, very oh. fun. And and then we went to Paris for a week. So, uh, but because I have always wanted, I spent too many years taking French to never go to France. Uh, so I wanted to offend the entire nation by trying. So, um, so we went to Lyon and you, but you were about to tell a story about the food in Lyon. Cause it's, it is oh. the foodie capital and it was amazing. So, so, so this journalist, Bill Buford wrote this book called heat, which is one of my favorite books. Okay. And it's basically, he, um, you know, was a print. He was writing an article about like apprenticing under Mario Batali in one of his restaurants, pre Me Too, um, back then. And he ba- it basically started this love affair with food. And he ended up traveling to Italy several times and apprenticing with people over there to learning how to make pasta. And and this whole he had this whole great like sort of food awakening. And dirt, which I'm not enjoying as much is which I thought I would is is about his sort of French journey similar journey but like French he moves his family to to Lyon and he starts working in restaurants there and so so this has been a thing and he writes about it in his book it's been a long debated thing about the food between Italy and France and the you know there's a story that says that Catherine de Medici when she married the (laughs) king or prince of France or whatever left Italy and brought with her all her recipes and her cook and that the Italian food got brought to Italy and then it became like Francophiled basically right. like over hundreds of years and things. Um, and, and there's all this debate and the French will tell you that never happened. Mm. And yada, yada, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, 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 you know, like, and, and he, he talks about it. It's kind of funny and everyone has their own theories about, yeah. but this is similar in that and it's trade routes and it's sure you want to, you want to talk about a dark forest, like sure people research this stuff. So Anyway, I think, right, like, I think Italian food seems to be more, what we know of it today between attention, French and Italian food. Italian food is very much more spare and I think really just lets the ingredients speak for themselves. Um, Sort of less fiddly or you mean like? Yeah, yeah, like it's very... So I have a lot of food allergies. And when I started going and I'd gone to Italy in college when they kind of weren't as bad and, and whatever. And so when I started going back, I, I had studied the language because I always wanted to learn the language because my mm-hmm. grandparents spoke it and no one else in my family did. And I thought that was a shame. Mm-hmm. So I had been studying and I also wanted to go back because I wanted to be able to communicate with people. And one of the things was about food, right. um, having allergies and things. So I went back and what's amazing is when you're reading something off a menu there, you know, it'll be like pasta with mushrooms and onions you right. know? and like, okay, um, what's in it besides the mushroom and onions? Yeah. And they look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> They're like, it's mushrooms and onions. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, it's uh, mushrooms and onions. And because in America, like, that doesn't mean anything. That's a jumping off point for our food. Right, right. <laughs> mushrooms and onions. And you're like, well, it also has capers and it has, um, you know, a thousand yeah. other tiny, you know, well, there's a little bit of tarragon. What? What just happened? Uh, it turns yeah, out it, tarragon you, kills you, me. You, Something that's got like watermelon, tomato, and you know, <laughs> and, you know, and then we whatever. sprinkle MSG all over all of it. What? Exactly. Just... <laughs> it, it's an orgy of ingredients here for yeah. most chefs because I think they don't know. 
I think our palates aren't refined, right? You know, we're drinking soda all day and then we're wondering why we can't appreciate good food. And then, and I think the chefs, you know, have Bam! Place. That, take that soda, take it. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I am talking to Tess Rafferty and it's at Tess Rafferty or at the Tess Rafferty on Instagram. Uh, just so you know, uh, this has been, this is super cool, but uh, I thought I would tell everyone again. Hi Rangers. Oh yeah, perfect. Yeah, yeah. in case you're just joining. Welcome, yeah. we're um, so like, so the thing about Italy is that it's all about, and you know, in, in both these cultures, right. In most cultures, the good food came from peasant food and making do with what you had and what, you know, what yeah. we it's just like, we're going to make you super poor. So you have to figure out what to do with that weed and that, <laughs> and the remnants of that animal. And then we're going to take it back a hundred years later and go, holy crap, this is amazing. And it's uh, yeah, yeah. $50 a plate for it. So, I, you know, I, I think in Italian food, generally the, the ingredients sing and it's about like, letting them speak, like having good ingredients, preparing them well, and then letting that be the most amazing thing. And so what are staples that are sitting in your kitchen though? Like if I came over and you didn't like, cause we're in quarantine, right? I I'm constantly running out of food and, um, and I don't, I'm scared to go anywhere. Quite honestly, I don't like going into grocery stores and stuff like that. So no, I I don't, I, I, we've been pretty strict here. We, we, I get delivered. Yeah, no, we do too. We, we've done curbside or delivery. We haven't been in a grocery store since early March. Yeah. Um, um, so it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's just knowing how to like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky because we like to cook, although the dishes are getting to us. Um, <laughs> right. The consistency. I don't actually mind dishes, but some people freaking hate Lori Kilmartin was telling me how much she, she didn't know how, how much her mother really cleaned the house. Cause her mother just passed away of COVID. And, um, so her mom cleaned the house, her mom did the dishes and she was like, place is, uh, place is pretty gross right now. And, uh, I was like, so, but like, we have a garden, we have a garden, right? So I have yellow squash. I have spaghetti squash. I have zucchini. I have tomatoes. I have uh, bell peppers. I have basil, um, thyme, um, oh, mint and rosemary. And, um, and then we have some Swiss chard and, uh, we have some, uh, potatoes eventually, but what, what would you do Great. with that? Well, okay, so the Swiss chard and potatoes, if you can get some beans, you can make a ribolita, which would be great for winter. Green beans or like a white bean? Like a like a white a white, white bean. A white bean. Yeah. What's and a ribolita? A ribolita is a bean soup that's got um, you know, different kind you know, different kind of greenery in it, um, sometimes spinach, sometimes kale, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, and you can and then you serve it over like a crusty bread. Um, oh, wow. And serve it over a crusty bread or, or, you know, you can just eat it without, or you can put croutons in it, you know. Or I'm you could just it. have a big bowl of bean and veg soup kind of with, yeah, but with potatoes yeah. and, and greens of some sort. Exactly. And then, yeah. Oh yeah. And you cube the potatoes. So it's a potato bean soup. I forgot with, um, with greens and then, um, and, and yeah, I mean, we've got, we got 10 pounds of beans right now in my, you know, right. We all did backup beans. We got, uh, we got beans. We got, we got, uh, oatmeal. Andy was like, why do we have so much oatmeal? We eat oatmeal in the winter like three times. And I was like, what if we're stuck here? And I also have dried <laughs> beans coming out of my ears. So, well, and you know what I did? So I, I have a friend who had made me a bean soup last summer. That was just amazing. A white bean soup. And when I asked her for the recipe, 
she was like, told me like, oh, and this is where I get my beans. Like talk about like fancy beans, fancy beans, right? (laughs) And you know, in my head at the time I was like, I don't need to mail order beans. (laughs) I don't need to go there. No, I mail order beans. They really are that good. Rancho Gordo beans? RanchoGordo.com. All right. I, um, it's the best and it's easy. It's not easy in the summertime because of the heat, but I basically take these beans. Um, I, and you know, they've got all kinds there. I've been buying the. They have canned beans or is it all dry beans? All dry beans. Okay. I've been doing it you know, beans is one of those things that like cooking fresh beans, it's like, oh, you're supposed to soak them the night before and whatever. But if you, I, we have an R2-D2 Instapot, so we're, oh, we're okay. Yeah. You can do that. I, I, the friend of mine passed this on to me. I take the beans and put them in a Dutch oven. Mm-hmm. I boil them for, I bring them to a boil, let them boil for about five minutes. And look, while they're heating up and boiling, I add like a quarter an onion. I add like a half a fist of garlic, at least some salt and pepper fistful of rosemary parmesan rind if i have it you know just just whatever and what i boil them for five minutes i put them in the oven at 325 and cook them for you know anywhere from two hours to three hours you know check them make sure the water's not boiling off like you want them to thicken but you don't want them to yeah yeah you gotta have them soften and so wait so you boil them and then you just sort of slow bake them like it's a roast yeah just put them in the oven like braise almost and the great thing is, is like, as you know, when I check them every hour or so, I, you know, as they cook down, the onion and the garlic melt. So you can literally just stir it in and they just like dissolve. Um, and then Dude, point, this is changing my life. It, this is it's so good. And and especially with like a, these beans and they're not like, you know, they're like five, six dollars for a bag for a pound or whatever. Um, you know, you're going to eat them for a week. So it's like 50 cents a meal. Okay. Um, they're a little it, expensive for beans, but they're not beans. expensive for a meal. So a meal. Exactly. there you go. Um, and cause beans are free. Like if I go to super King beans are <laughs> literally almost free, but fancy beans are, are not prohibitively expensive for meal, meal talk. Yeah, yes. If you think about it, in, right, if you think about it in terms of a meal. Yes. And so, they and then like my favorite thing about when my friend sent me the recipe and she found it online it was like um like an hour or so into it you add a couple of glugs of olive oil which i love um so yeah so like what you know it's like a probably a quarter cup half a cup whatever i mean it's a big pot of beans yeah but i just like add it you know to give it a little thickness and flavor as well give it a yeah. little fat Along with your salt. Dude, I'm seriously doing this. Yeah, <laughs> so it's it's really good. And you can use it as a side dish. You can thin it out with a soup. You can kind of do something in between. Um, uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah, you could just eat a giant bowl of beans. I used to eat a lot more beans. For some reason, I, I there was a ja- for a year and a half, I tried to go macrobiotic, except for the drinking. Anyway, uh, but the, uh, but the, um, it was, I was, I love these Japanese beans called aduki beans, adzuki, sometimes they're called adzuki beans and sometimes they're called aduki beans and they're tiny red beans and they're just, and I, I would buy them in bulk 
uh, dry and then the project that that was. And then sometimes if I was feeling flush, I would buy the canned ones because they're almost two bucks a can. And wow, yeah. um, that's so the, expensive for a can of beans. That's expensive yeah. for a can of beans, Whole Foods co-op, Minneapolis co-op. So, um, but they, right. they have a really nice sort of, they have a really nice um, taste to them. They're kind of, they're, they're, they're a great vegetarian kind of, and then, but what I do with beans, one of the things I do with, uh, I learned that year and a half was I like to soak the beans overnight with a strip of seaweed called, uh, kombu. And, uh, what it does is it, um, in the, in the macrobiotic book that I read about how to be a macrobiotic, very thick by an incredibly sexist Japanese guy who invented macrobioticism, uh, but he lived through Nagasaki, so you wanna you wanna cut that guy some slack, and he's dead. I hear what he has to say. Yeah, what yeah. He, yeah that guy lived, and yeah. so, but he he said that it literally it takes the gas out of out of beans. Yeah. So. Yeah. Kombu, K O M B U. That's good to know because I have not been able to take the gas out of my beans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, but I'm just like whatever. No one, no one's coming over. Right, right, right. And you've been married for some time, so uh, he knows that you have bodily functions. So um, yeah. it's all good. Yeah. We all have bodily functions. It'll be fine. Uh, yeah. Rangers, It'll all be fine. you know. It's okay. really the least of like, I, I had a dream the other day that I was like working in an office and I was really, two things spoke to what's happening in our time. <laughs> one is that no one was wearing a mask and I was constantly upset. I was constantly like distraught about this. Yes. Why is no one in the office wearing a mask? And I couldn't stop picking my nose in front of people. Oh, interesting. Weird. <laughs> and I was like, and I know what it was speaking. It's speaking to literally the fact that like we've we're going full on feral, right? Like, <laughs> you know, like yeah, I, we're in our own worlds. Yeah, we're in our own worlds. We're like pants are optional, and yeah, you know. yeah. I will say this is that um, in the last fifteen years or so, um, here's what what the only time I have gas, and this here's an anecdote that nobody needs to hear, um, is usually when I get nervous. And so I, sometimes when I do television and I've done television a handful of times, I will be nervous and, uh, you can't really do laps like I normally do if I'm nervous in a club where I can, I don't know, uh, spread any gas that I might be having. I, I can go outside. I can get away from people. I'm trapped next yeah. to essentially two union workers who yeah. those poor bastards have to move the curtains aside. And I am... Uh, farting. And so, uh, but what I like to do is, I, I remember I did this at uh, Last Comic Standing. I was standing in behind the curtain and I had gas. I had a, I had to fart and I did. And I tried to do it as quietly as possible. Super stinky, super stinky. And I just kind of started looking at the, the different male comics, <laughs> which wasn't fair at all. Wasn't nice. Wasn't fair. But I did it anyway because uh, I'm a lady. I don't have gas. How could I? How could I? You know, I'm a she/her. Tess Rafferty. I'm a, I'm a she/her. You're a she/her. In the in the long line of things that have benefited male comics over <laughs> like the years, I think this is a fair like take back. Like, <laughs> take yeah. You you could handle the you could handle the pressure, gentlemen. Yeah, uh, you should be able to make that work for you. I fully I fully applaud that. Yeah, just the just the looking around. We've all we've all done that. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, I am writing down the words. I'm a she/her. I don't fart. I blay the 
I blame the he hims. I'm doing that. I'm doing that in my gender joke. Uh, you can all look forward to it. Uh, okay, so um, we have talked. Uh, I, I don't know. We we have you know about five more minutes left. Is there is there something about Italy or food or wine or um, that you want to? I mean, you've really given us some. Uh, you've given me a lot. It's awesome. We have recipes. Like we, I, I need the rabbit recipe. I have to tell you. Okay. Um, yeah. I gotta I'm, find it. I feel really bad because she passed away. My buddy Stefan's mom, and oh. it's in her handwriting because she wrote it out for me. And I'm sure he's, you know. So I might just have to call him and go. You got to talk me through it. And then when I find yeah. it, I'll take a picture and send it to you. But I have had rabbit cooked in red wine. It is. I mean. Part, you know, it's funny, like part of the thing is even just finding, finding some of these recipes and finding one that's reliable. Like I, the, the cacciatore that you can make in Rome, that they make in Rome, I can't find a recipe for that anywhere. Really? Um, what yeah, what I, makes it different than, my, my stepmother used to make cacciatore. It was really good. It was one of the three things she could cook really well. This is the chicken that's just cooked in like white wine, vinegar, and probably some onions or shallot or oh, something. Oh, Right. But, but, you know, in that case, right, it's, it's kind of all about the technique, like, you know, had, and, and proportions uh, and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah it, it really is. And, and you can wing it. And I've done that before where I'm just like, I, I'll just take forever to try to figure out like how to make something like I had at some place. Yeah. Um, we were, we were in this place on, in Ischia, um, which is this, you know, the island of no Americans. And we, we were doing a wine tasting. Um, our hotel had arranged for us to go to this place. Like, um, yeah. and it was beautiful. It was outdoors and, you know, it was a couple of hours and it was over sunset. And, and the great thing, one of the things I love about Italy in the summertime is that it doesn't even get dark till 930 at night. So you feel like you have this whole day that you could just do so much with. Yeah. And so we're like wandering around and, you know, there was a beautiful cheese plate where the owner of the vineyard had made some of the cheeses and cured some of the meats himself. And um, we didn't really have dinner plans. And the guy who was doing our tasting was telling us that like, oh, they, you know, there's a beautiful like outdoor kind of pergola area where we were doing it. They're like, oh, people come in where, you know, they do a couple of people for dinner, like probably 10 people or something like that. Right. And we could see the owner's wife, like out back and her and another one were like cutting the herbs that they were going to use to make for dinner that night. Awesome. And, um, and so we were like, can you fit two more? Because this seems like this is an amazing place to eat a meal. And like, this is going to be really good. Yeah. And when the guy was so cute. He's like, uh, yes, I see if I can get another rabbit. <laughs> like he had to go get on his scooter and go to the people and like get another rabbit. Yeah. Um, and I, Felt a little bit bad that day. Um, I hope vegans aren't listening to this. Right. Uh, I, I will. I will put it. I will put a, um, a a warning that we're talking about. You know, the adorable rabbit. And uh, we are. And I am eating. Actually, eating less meat. I gave up pork this year. So um, I'm trying to. I'm very conflicted about it. But it was. But it was delicious. It was the most amazing meal. And it was like four courses. And it was just took hours. And they. What they did was they the. I guess it was like the second or third course was this amazing pasta, like all fresh, like, like wide, flat. Yeah. Um, and it cooked in a rabbit ragu, but there wasn't even a lot of rabbit with it. It was like a lot of onions that tasted like so cooked, they were almost caramelized. And like, you could taste the, the flavor, the brodo, the broth of it, but like, and you got a little bit of rabbit meat. And then the last course was the actual rabbit that had just wow. been sort of raised and. 
Yeah. So that's, um, I was like, that's, that was a killer meal. It was one, like, you know, it's one of those meals you think about forever. There's um, yeah, there's, there are definitely those meals. Tess yeah. Rafferty, this has been a delight. We did, I swear to God, I want to get you back because yeah, it's been an hour. Uh, I want to get you back because uh, I just finished, uh, I have finished the Franny Fisher, the Miss Fisher murder mysteries. Oh, and yeah. that was another, your other dorkdom were these murder mysteries on BBC and all this stuff. So please uh, email me uh, what are funny. I watched Broken Wood and the Mish Fisher, and now I'm watching Dr. Blake, and it's not as funny. But, uh, oh, yeah. but if you, if no, you got no, some. No, no, the, the mystery is how Dr. Blake doesn't know he's gay. I'm going to do a whole night of masterpiece uh, jokes, Jackie. <laughs> my, um, watch Endeavor. I want you to, I want to say this and watch Endeavor. It's on PBS. It is the precursor to Inspector Morse. It's him starting in 1965. They're up to like 70 or 71 now. <laughs> He's totally fucking hot. Um, the Young Endeavor. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. We're going in our second hour here. Going to have Tess Rafferty back, you guys. I love her like uh, like a sister. She is amazing. Find her at the Tess Rafferty, at Tess Rafferty. You, you get it. Anyway, yes. thank you for doing the show. Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. Thank we you. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?